Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'm broadly speaking in charge of this operation and it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you as my co-host an up-and-coming young go-getter by the name of Tony Kerr. Well, I've arrived, Adam. Up and coming. I've arrived. When you were a kid, you know, growing up, did you always hope that you'd end up co-hosting a podcast like this? From an early age, I think, yeah. I mean, it was very prescient for me for me to foresee podcasting <laughs> when I was in primary school. But anyway, we've done it, haven't we? We've achieved our dreams. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Somewhat. Look where we are. This is why we arrived at the studio in a limo, <laughs> just drinking champagne. I sleep on a bed of money these days, um, which is actually a bit uncomfortable because it's coins rather than notes. But, <laughs> but yeah, we really have... Uh, we've made it i think how's it going this week tone yeah it's pretty good did you have a good weekend uh i did actually yeah what'd you get yeah, up to one. uh <sighs> quick question actually well we had the olympic torch in guernsey oh yeah which was fun went down and watched that it was pretty early though it was at 9 a.m on a sunday morning which was pretty <laughs> pretty tough but uh pulled it off well, I mean, I wasn't. Not a lot was asked of me, really, in a kind of like <laughs> say, yeah. active sense. You, you pulled it off. So yeah, that was fun. Other than that, just kind of mixing with different crowds, you know, while you're away. Yeah. Took the opportunity to get away from you. Well, yeah, because I was away at the, at the yeah. weekend. I was in England. Uh, just went over to the the Lake District for a, a friend's wedding. How was the weather? Tony? the weather was good. Uh, yeah, the sun came out for the ceremony, so that was uh, everyone was happy about that. Because I don't know if you're aware that we've not been having a very good summer in Britain. I don't know if I've been made aware of it. Yeah. I don't know if every newspaper in Britain has uh, has been having it on on their front page day after day. It annoys me slightly. This is something that annoys me, Adam. You know, people are quick to bash Guernsey, aren't they? We come from Guernsey, we live in Guernsey. You know? Yeah. I'm, I'd be the first to admit, you know, it's not the... <laughs> I was going to say, I'd be the first to admit that we live in Guernsey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd be the first to admit it's not the... Uh, it's not Manhattan, quite. What do you mean in terms of pace of life? In terms of kind of, yeah, everything, really. Busyness, I mean, number of people. I mean, obviously Manhattan doesn't have us, so <laughs> in very, very many ways Manhattan isn't Guernsey. But people are using the weather as a stick to bash Guernsey. Right. But I think they fail to realise that it's been rubbish everywhere. You mean that uh, people are sort of saying, oh, Guernsey, Guernsey summer, yeah, terrible. I'm like, give it a break, you know, it's not just Guernsey. Uh, but yeah, went, so I went up to the Lake District, flew to Manchester, just going to wow, give you my a real itinerary. What, what kind of plane did you find? Uh, I don't know what they're called. Well, you should know. It was a plane with propellers rather than jets, which I know alarms quite a number of people when they come to Guernsey for the first time. But yeah, I hired a car from there and drove up to the Lake District, which takes a couple of hours. Motorway driving is a bit of a laugh uh, when you are from Guernsey, where the speed limit is 35 miles an hour. No motorways, obviously. Uh, can be quite entertaining, particularly when it, it is pouring with rain, which it was on Friday night. You ever driven on a motorway, Tone? Yeah. Yeah? I've got any motorway on it, Tone. I've been in the car when you've been driving on a on a freeway in the US. All things, yeah. And uh, we had some good times there. We had some fun. Didn't we just? There was, uh, there was that time 
when uh, you were overtaking a truck and then the truck started indicating and pulling out into our lane and I was like Jesus Tone watch out and you went it'll be his fault <laughs> it'll be his fault I was like yes it will be his fault but I'd rather not die even, yeah. even if it means I can say I told you so well, I got us out of it though didn't I I, 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 keep, bringing, I keep bringing up your driving yeah, on this show you, know, you, driving. you did turn up at mine to pick me up tonight not wearing any shoes you'd driven to my house not in shoes because you left some shoes at my house but rather than wearing shoes and just picking up the shoes when you arrived at mine you drove barefoot and said can you get those shoes <laughs> i'm not sure it's tremendously safe i don't know no, driving barefoot's great you get it's very tactile isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I, Is of it? course i only recommend driving barefoot if you're a talented driver like i am you are a regular David Coulthard. <laughs> yeah, David Tryhard. In fairness, the only other person that I've driven on a freeway with in America is my sister, and uh, she was overtaking a truck once, and when, as she was doing it, was just going, scared, 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 <laughs> scared. <laughs> Which, again, doesn't fill you with confidence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just that hand reaching out to the wheel. <laughs> One of the really annoying things about, uh, you know, going on a road trip and, and driving in America, which I've done a couple of times once with you, is that, you know, when you're driving through amazing scenery, you can see stuff. Say you're going up uh, Highway 1, which hugs the coast uh, in California. The passenger has a much better view. I like, can see everything, and the driver just has to look at the road. So, like, again, when I was with my sister, she just kept saying things like, oh, look, a whale. It's a whole pod of whales. They're waving to me. Don't look for God's sake. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's very frustrating. Not to, uh, not to continue to just slag off the driving abilities of all the members of my family. Uh, but, but I don't think they listen to this, so who's going to worry about it? Uh, but my, my sister-in-law, my brother's wife, if you can follow that. My, brother, my brother's uh, wife. Was, uh, was, was telling me that uh, she only recently passed the driving test and was driving to London on the motorway for the, the first time. Uh, and she had her eight-year-old girl in the, in the backseat of the car. And when she got to London, she sort of turned around and said, so we made it. And you, you thought I drove all right, didn't you? And uh, her daughter said, yeah, yeah, I thought you drove all right. And she's like, what do you mean? She's like, well, the other drivers were terrible. They were honking their horns, swerving all over the place. <laughs> no irony at all. Kids do say the damnedest things, don't they? They do. I tend not to say too much to know what they say, though. How's about I tell you what is coming up on the show today? Yeah, so, you better. Uh, the England-South Africa series is right up in our grill piece now, so we will be unleashing our definitive preview of that in but a moment, and then we'll take a quick trip around the world, specifically to Sri Lanka, to talk about their test series with Pakistan. And there will be some more side notes, too. Excited about all of that, too? Uh, yeah, very. Oh, I meant to tell you, actually, a seagull stole my sandwich at lunch today. That's old school. Really annoying. I was sat on the sat on the pier just eating my sandwich, and the seagull came down. Its wing like slapped me around the head because it came from behind <laughs> me. I, I, before I knew what was going on, this wing had just taken me out, and my sandwich was gone, and the seagull was flying out over the harbour. But I mean, it's annoying because then you've got all seaweed, like you've got all seagull Gems. stuff all over your, your what's left of your food has yeah. been contaminated by sky rat. Not really what you want. Uh, I was so annoyed when my sandwich went because I was really looking forward to it, and I was really hungry the problem was that there were quite a few other people around you know so i could i couldn't sort of go out and just murder that seagull <laughs> as retribution i'd have just like run after it and just jumped, jumped off the off pier grabbed it yeah, like, like a spiral yeah you'd have just seen me right. just grabbing onto the seagull and just plummeting out of sight england on this part of the program we talk about england now, England have enjoyed a, a very successful and, and largely untroubled first half of the summer. But wait, can you hear that? That's the sound of the South Africans barreling into town. The first test of a, of a three-match series starts at the Oval on Thursday, so very soon. 
or possibly in the past, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, and the South Africans have played two warm-up games ahead of the series, uh, both of which ended as draws. Uh, there was a two-day match against Somerset at Taunton, but it wasn't exactly ideal for South Africa in the sense that um, Somerset outscored them, 312 for 8 declared, playing 282 for 9 declared. And they also lost Mark Boucher to injury, as we discussed last week. Um, I think Trago hit Morkel for six fours in a row in that match as well. Uh, he went uh, for 90 runs from 14 overs for no wicket, uh, which is an economy rate of 6.42. Just that. Their second warm-up match was against Kent, and it was a bit more encouraging from a South African perspective. Um, they bowled Kent out for 210 uh, with four for 31 for Imran Tahir, uh, and then made 314 um, in their innings half centuries for Hashim Amla, Jacques Rudolph and Jacques Callas. So a couple of fairly nothing games, but, you know, maybe the South Africans feeling their way into the tour a little bit. What's your feeling about this series, Antone? I've asked you a question there, but I'm now going to talk for a while longer, right. as is my way. Uh, this is obviously a contest between, you know, numbers one and two in the world. Both very strong sides on paper. England are the team at the top, but, uh, you know, with the quality that they have in their team, South Africa might feel uh, that they have a, a highly legitimate claim to that crown, uh, much like Harold Hardrada after the uh, the death of Edward the Confessor in 1066. That's spectacularly bad. That's a reference to one of the key participants in the Battle of Stamford Bridge. You don't get that on Switch that Hit, do you? spectacular. You do not get that on Switch Hit. <laughs> I've not heard that name since the 90s. <laughs> so uh, so how do you see this one panning out then, in this series? Yeah, all right, I think. It's going to be a good one, isn't it? Uh, I think England will edge it for many reasons, the form side. You look back to last summer when the Indians rolled into town, kind of sent on their way with nothing to show. There's almost, I wouldn't say it's going to be a whitewash, but I think it could be 1 0 to England. <laughs> <laughs> There's a real feeling that. Uh... <laughs> There's a real feeling that England could whitewash the Africans 1 0 here. Uh, I, think it'll be, I think it's going to be tighter than that series. Yeah, that absolutely, because an... certainly before the India series, we expected it to be very closely fought, and then it quite patently wasn't at all. There might be a feeling that something similar might happen that, you know, England will will steamroll South Africa, but I really can't see that happening this time because um, I think South Africa are much are much better drilled than India. I think India have a, a galaxy of stars, but they're a, a bit of a ragtag team and also out, out of their depth in English conditions. Whereas South Africa, I think, are a very disciplined unit. You know, I don't think they're going to be turned over. They're going to be very, very tough to beat. I've identified two key battles for you. The first one is Vernon Philander against England's top three. Yeah, well, that's, you've not really picked much out there, have you? Not, not hugely. So, Flanders versus hugely England. I was going to say... The, the, so- the two key battles for me really are the South African bowlers against the English batsmen. That uh, could be a real area where we see the yeah. match turned. And then also, I think, the English bowlers against the South African batsmen. Well, I think they will be key battles, absolutely. <laughs> but just narrowing that down slightly. Uh, yeah, Vernon Flanders against uh, Strauss, Cook and Trot, because... You know, those three are very much England's engine room, aren't they? And, and particularly Cook and Trot, you know, if they bat long then England are going to rack up some massive scores. And with Strauss back in form now too, you know, the top three will look to be the the rock from which your Petersons and your Bells and your Prize can play their more expansive innings. But if Philander, who has, as I'm sure you remember, um, scythed through Australia and, and Sri Lanka and, and New Zealand, um, scythed through their top orders over, over the last nine months, if he can sort of exploit the conditions, get the ball to swing, get it nibbling around and get the middle order in early, then I think England will be fighting to stay afloat at times. No, I think that's valid. Although I think, uh, you know, it's all in good saying, you know, we'll nip the, uh, the, uh, nip the opening three out cheaply, but you've got Peterson's just bludgeoned a ridiculous score in a county match. 
Bell is looking like uh, an unstoppable batsman in England. So it's not going to be easy once you get to that. And of course, Bapara. Ravi Bapara as well, who is a class act, as I've always said. Um, um, he's going to be in there at number six. So it's looking, the, the batting lineup looks good for England. It's very strong, but I think the success of the top three gives those players so much license, so much freedom to, to play the way that they uh, naturally play. If England are 40 for three, there's a huge amount more pressure on Peterson and Bell and Bapara and Pryor, none of whom have entirely unblemished records when it comes to not being involved in batting collapses. If Philander keeps Cook, Trot and Strauss quiet, then it's much more difficult for England, I think. They're, they're very important players. And the second key battle for me is Graham Swan against South Africa's left-handers. Everyone knows about Swan's reputation as a, as a tormentor of left-handers. And to quite a large degree, that reputation has come from how he bowled on the tour to South Africa in 2009-10. Ashwell Prince and JP Dumini in particular were all, in, were all at sea against him. Uh, there's no Prince this time, but Dumini is likely to bat at seven. And in Smith, Peterson and Rudolph... There are three other left-handers in that top seven. Um, so if, if Swan does continue to enjoy success against them and stops partnerships developing with the right-handers, then it's going to be hugely difficult for South Africa to consistently post big totals. In fact, I think the spinners on both sides could be crucial because um, Graham Smith's going to be looking very much, I think, to Imran Tahir to reign in England's lower order. And we know that England's batting depth is one of their great strengths. Tahir hasn't exactly set, set the world alight since coming into Test cricket, but the success that he has had has been in polishing off batting lineups, you know, turning 300 for six into 315 all out. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see how he goes against a very strong England lower order and if Bresnan and Broad and Swan can sort of negate Tahir, add 70 to 100 runs on a consistent basis, then that does give England a real edge, I think, because I don't think South Africa's lower order is anything like as strong. You like Imran Tahir, don't you? Not his biggest fan. No? A bit annoying, to be honest. I'm more of a philander man myself. <laughs> yeah, I know you're a philander man. Uh, I've seen your bedroom wall. No, no, it's just plastered, isn't it? Because we said last week, a short series, three matches, anything could happen. And probably will. All, all three results possible. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, at this stage, certainly. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it looks open. I mean, well, a key aspect, I think, maybe, is that the summer looks like it might finally have arrived. The forecast for the first test at the Oval, the, the, the forecast for London, I think, for Thursday and Friday is showers. So there could be some interruption there. Maybe, maybe you could see a result difficult to, to force at the Oval. Well, the way that the summer's gone so far, you wouldn't necessarily bet against nil-nil. But, yeah, they are saying on, on the news that uh, the weather might be about to improve. The jet stream is moving, Tane. The jet stream is moving. <laughs> the last. Every, everyone keeps talking about the jet stream. I love how quickly you know people start just bandying terminology around. Uh, but they don't fully understand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like everyone's just talking about Jetstream. Yeah, everyone's read the same BBC News article and then likes to sort of. And the same BBC News article that's like four paragraphs long. <laughs> yeah. It's got no detail. And so. people are like, well, of course, the thing is, the Jetstream is much further south this summer than it normally would be. It's the same thing happened with the. You remember when that Iceland volcano erupted a couple of years ago? Within a couple of days, everyone's like, "Yeah, but you know, what about the magma chamber, though? Like, how yeah. <laughs> how much how much tephra is there in the atmosphere? <laughs> that kind of thing." And during the credit crunch, people say, "My feeling is we need to have some more quantitative easing here." Do you remember the credit yeah, crunch? Yeah, thing? I do remember that, actually. I do remember, do you remember, that remember how we all thought the economy fondly. might collapse? Yeah. Do you remember that? Do you remember how it has? Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, good times. I remember the credit crunch fondly. <laughs> Those are the days. Is it, I sound now like a, I've got some job that's you know insulated <laughs> from it. It's like yeah, I made money off everyone that credit, that credit you, card. Do you work for Barclays? Those days. Uh, uh, we, we've got the limo to go back again, have we? <laughs> it might have been cancelled actually. Uh, yeah. Bankers, eh? 
God, the bloody bankers. Do you remember in the, the early days of the Credit Crunch how um, all of a sudden the quality of everyone's day started depending entirely on how well the FTSE was doing? Yeah. <laughs> if, the, if the FTSE was up, everyone was in a great mood. If it was down, yeah, it was like, a nightmare. Don't talk to me. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I mean, yeah, all this is more on the world, uh, the world economy podcast, <laughs> the world economy show uh, <laughs> this week. If we're looking at uh, some other important areas where I think the series will be won and lost, um, Jacques Callas is obviously going to be an enormously important player for South Africa. Um, he's never had a good tour of England before. He's never had a huge amount of success. He said that he sees it very much as his, his last frontier. If he does have a good series, then England are going to find it very tough because he is obviously <laughs> one of the best batsmen ever. Um, so if he's, you know, if he goes out and averages uh, eighty or ninety across the series, it's it's going to be very difficult because he will bat time too. I mean, you'd have to say he's he's not had a great uh, great record. He's not got a great record in England. He's not had any good series. Well, he's waited. You know, he's missed the boat really because he's picked he's picked a bad series to try and have a good one. If you know what I mean. Because of the quality, of the, quality of the attack, yeah. You are absolutely right, though. I mean, it, it is a very strong English bowling attack, and particularly key in the battle against Callis uh, are Tim Bresnan and Stuart Broad. I think if they pitch the ball up to him early on, that's where he's vulnerable. But but yeah, as I say, if he gets in, then uh, watch out. I think the South African batsmen should be very worried. I mean, I guess both attacks are very good, but the quality of the English attack in particular, uh, I think Broad now, you know, my money will be on Broad to be the leading wicket-taker in the series. Yeah, well, I mean, the English bowling attack is the best in the world, but I'm not sure that the, the, the South African one is that far behind. Basically, where the series is going to be won and lost is which of the two batting lineups is better able to cope with the world-class attack that they're facing. And for England, I think Ian Bell in particular is going to be vitally important because he's someone who's capable of taking the game away from South Africa. Just the way Bell batted against India last summer, if he replicates that, then that could be close to decisive. On our Facebook page, uh, Neil uh, posted, Discussion topic... Ian Bell is only any good when playing at home. He's certainly, I think, more comfortable when he's playing at home. Anecdotally, he's playing well at the moment and he didn't play well away in the winter and he played quite well last summer. So on that basis, you would say that, I think. <laughs> but uh, I think he's got... He played a, well in Australia, though, didn't yeah, he? Exactly. He's, it's, got a, it's in him to play well abroad. And in South Africa. It just happened that the last tour... Or the last, uh, the last winter, you know, wasn't a particularly successful one for him. Yeah, I think. And it, now he's in, he's in great nick. So he lost his form. He's got it back. I'm not sure it's necessarily to do with being away from home, because uh, yeah, he, he was brilliant in Australia. He was brilliant in South Africa the previous year. Um, you could make a case that maybe he's he's not so good in Asian conditions, uh, but we'll find out in India this winter, I guess. Our South Africa undercooked tone. They've not had much preparation. Um, look what happened to India last summer. One of their major problems was that they didn't have enough preparation. The old overcooked, undercooked debate rears its head again. Possibly, but then probably not, I don't think. I think <laughs> it's that, a great argument, though. <laughs> I think that, that is a fantastic argument, too. Well, you know, I don't think you can really make it as an argument anymore. But cricket teams have been touring touring abroad for, what, the best part of 100 and how many years. Right. Uh, like you think by now they'd have known, you know, they'd know kind of what was the... You know what's a suitable build-up time to have? How you know how far in advance of the first test or whatever the first kind of international match they need to get there? How much time they need to prepare? Do you think they'd have that fairly well honed? You'd think so, but I realise that. I mean, I, they know, don't. I, as an analogy, you know, I still pack my bags, you know, on the way to the airport, pretty much <laughs> when I go away now. So. <laughs> Even though I've done it you know, many, many times, you're still late everywhere. Still late. You go. So, there is an argument that says you know <laughs> you'll just still carry on doing what you've been doing. But the point is that they should know what they're doing now, but it doesn't look like they do because you know South Africa haven't had enough preparation. Definitely, the problem is that they've not really had much cricket at all. It's not necessarily just about adjusting to the conditions. If they'd come from playing a series at home 
into this series, then it's different. But a lot of these guys just haven't played much cricket since February, March. Whereas England have, have played a lot of cricket in that time. Yeah, I, you know, I think they probably are a bit undercooked, but I don't think they will find that as big a problem as maybe India did last year because they are going to be a bit more at home, a bit more familiar with these conditions. On paper, I think the teams are actually quite similar. There's little to choose between them. Who would you say has got the better middle order? If we just go three, four, five, England have Trot, Peterson, Bell. Um, South Africa have Amla, Callis, De Villiers. If you were trying to make a composite of that, which I will be doing in a minute, very difficult. <laughs> yeah, you'd you leave struggle. out. You'd very, you'd out of those six, difficult. you say we can't leave any of them out of a, a three. I mean, it's hugely difficult from a yeah, from an entertainment perspective. You'd probably say, well, you'd have to have you'd have to have Peterson there. There's one there's one slot gone. Right. Past that, I don't know. But as a unit, though, which do you think's better? If you had to choose between Trot, Peterson, Bell, or Amla, Callister, Villiers, which would you go for? I'm really putting you on the spot. Well, I want you to difficult. answer the question, Tony. I mean, it's literally a coin toss, isn't it? I think. Peterson, Peterson, Trot, Peterson, Bell. I feel like Paxman here. But, <laughs> but did you threaten to overrule them? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you, you go Trot, Peterson, Bell, is that because they're English or do you genuinely think they're better? Or is that because they're sort of English? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, yeah, see what I did there. Yeah. Third English. Is that because one of the three is English? I think that's what you'd go for. I think that's the three you'd have to take at the moment. I would just about go with South Africa, I think. Um, very, very difficult because England is unbelievably good too. But yeah, I'd just about go with them. Uh, and South Africa have an all-rounder in Jacques Kais, which is something England lack, um, which gives them an advantage. I don't think you could put a cigarette paper between the bowling attacks. We haven't talked about Mornay Morkel, and we haven't talked about Dale Stain, um, and we haven't talked about Jimmy Anderson, who are probably the three best. Well, certainly Stain and Anderson, you could argue, are the, the best two fast bowlers in the world. Um, so that's going to be a fascinating clash. I think England have greater batting depth, and I think they have a better spinner, and I think they've got a better opening partnership too. And it is possible that that is going to be enough, those three things. Um, I think it's just about enough to put them favourites. But as I say, the real area where it's going to be won and lost is which batting lineup, be it the openers, the middle order, or the lower order, essentially <laughs> all, all of the above, um, copes best with the world-class bowling attack that they're up against. Yeah, I think the South Africans also will be slightly unsettled by the loss of Boucher. Shocking uh, way for his career to end. There's talk of him losing up to 80% of his eye or something. Yeah, it's which horrible. Is bizarre. It's really, yeah, really it's horrible. It's very strange. No, it, it could definitely have an impact on them. But then it might give them the impetus to go out and, and, and play even harder. You know, let's do this for Bouch kind of thing. Except in a South African accent, which I'm not going to attempt now. Yeah, yeah, I would take that point if it were... It's kind of not one of those things, though, that... But I don't know if it's necessarily a sort of the sort of incident that would 
it'd galvanise the dressing room. Maybe yeah, it'd it kind does. of it'd be more the other way. I think you know, in fact, he's been he's been a key figure in that dressing room for so many years that he's now you know it's not going to be involved and the yeah. type of injury that it was as well it's quite a traumatizing thing even if he'd you know if he'd broken his wrist or something which is you know uh, an injury that occurs a lot in cricket then you know that that might have been different but i think a, a lot of those other players would have been quite horrified by what happened as i hinted at before i have drawn up a composite 11 for this series see what you make of this tone address your complaints to worldcricketshow at gmail.com <laughs> this was unbelievably difficult i've had you wouldn't believe how many sleepless nights i've had that's <laughs> why i look so tired here we go smith cook amler callis kevin peterson bell Pryor, broad swan stain anderson now, I can tell you that there are four South Africans in that team, although some would say more, but, uh, <laughs> but four people who play for South Africa in that team, uh, and seven Englishmen, which is quite, you know, maybe, which is maybe a bigger differential than you might imagine, uh, possibly because I'm English, but I don't think necessarily so. Very, very difficult to leave out De Villiers, very, very difficult to leave out Trot, to leave out Morkel, to leave out Philander. I mean, but as I say, every time when, I, uh, when, we, when we talk about this, England have more players in that team, but... The four South Africans that are there, Smith, Amler, Callis, Stain, are very good. So there's no reason why they couldn't be enough to be the difference. I mean, Dale Stain, as I say, we haven't talked about him. He's got the best strike rate of any bowler in history to have taken more than 100 test wickets. He's all right, isn't he? Well, I mean, the way we're talking about it, it could be a great series. A fi- it should be it's a real firecracker. I mean, it's the real highlight of the uh, summer if it weren't for the Olympics, <laughs> <laughs> which is a real shame. If it weren't for the Olympics in Euro 2012 been, yeah. and Wimbledon and the Open... Yeah, um, I mean this 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 weekend's a joke, isn't it? There's uh, there's a test match that, as you say, the Open the Tour de France coming to a conclusion. Come on, Wiggins! <laughs> Come on, Wiggo! And we're we're in bloody Sark. Yeah. We're on a small island, uh, a few miles off Guernsey, watching some sheep race. Right, we've come to the end of the preview then. So now, Tone, I'm going to ask marathon. you. So I'm going to ask you now for your prediction. Uh, I think you've kind of attempted to get your prediction in several times throughout the preview. But I'd like uh, a definitive one <laughs> try to, uh, from yeah, you. Trying to squeeze. Uh, right. Well, I'm going to go. I'm going to lean towards one 0 England. It is tough to bet against England because they are unbeaten at home uh, in four years. South Africa were the last team to beat them, but yeah, that's four years ago, and I think they've won every series since then, and are in great form and the number one team in the world. If there's no rain, then I'd go for two one England. Um, but I think there probably will be. I probably would have backed one nil England as well but I can't do that you now always so do this. You always copy me. I'm going to have to go for one all and say that there'll be one draw and it'll be one that England were poised to win but then the rain came down so wow. England, England on points basically yeah points decision England to retain the yellow jersey <laughs> getting my sports yeah. mixed up aren't I? it's funny how again people love the Tour de France people keep bandying words like peloton yeah, around yeah. that no one, no one knew about a week ago but instantly people are like yeah I love cycling me love yeah it. it's very it's open night isn't it around the world now on this part of the show we talk about things that are happening around the world Pakistan have been in Sri Lanka tone over the last month or so they contested a three match series and Sri Lanka emerged the victors 1-0 uh, they won the first game, a massive 199 not out from Kumar Sangakkara. Uh, they then bowled Pakistan out for 100 uh, and eventually won by 209 runs. The next two matches were draws. Pakistan were much better in the second game at Colombo. 
racking up 5-5-1 for six declared in their first innings. But Sri Lanka didn't fold. Another massive 100 from Sangakara, 192, got them to 391 all out. And after that, it just fizzled out into a draw. The third test was very keenly fought. Pakistan made 226 in their first innings. Sri Lanka went past that to 337. So Pakistan were under real pressure, but they responded in their second innings. Hundreds from Azhar Ali and Asad Shafiq got them to 380 for eight declared. Uh, and it looks set to be a, a, a real thrilling run chase. Uh, but when Sri Lanka slipped from 131 for one to 178 for four, they basically gave up on the idea uh, and ended up 195 for four to end the game as a draw and give them the series 1-0. So perhaps not a series time that will linger on in the memory. I, I don't think people will be uh, writing songs about it and a bit of a pity maybe that uh sri lanka aborted their run chase in that in that third game in palakeli uh, but you can understand why they did because they were just looking to to protect that lead and it gives them the series win which is their first since the retirement of murali two years ago i think largely the series just sort of saw a, a continuation of, of trends that have been around for a while kumar sangakara being very good for <laughs> example uh and also you know more spin bowling brilliance Said Ajmal Abdurrahman and Rangana Herath were all brilliant once again. Uh, but I think what cost Pakistan the series was essentially that one batting meltdown that they had in, in the first innings of the first test. Skittled for 100 and, and they couldn't come back. After that, it was, uh, it was very even. But yeah, just that, that batting collapse really cost them. Both these teams seem to be on the up, though, I think. Um, Pakistan really are going to be a very good side. Um, although they lost the series, they had a, a lot of positives. Yeah, it could take them a few years to get there, but uh, maybe up, upwards of 100. But uh, uh, That's a reference for the really long time. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's fantastic to see. I've, I've probably said this about most of the teams, but they're probably my favourite team in England uh, in world cricket. They're, they're fantastic. But, and they're going, they're going to India, aren't they? They're going to go play some, some ODIs, I think. Re-establishing ties, yeah. Which is good to see. These two countries. But yeah, they've got some exciting cricketers. And like you say, yeah, getting knocked over for 100 didn't help their cause, did it, in the end? We roasted the Sri Lankan bowling attack on numerous occasions, haven't we? Yes, uh, but Rangana Herath is proving to be a much better bowler than he perhaps looks. <laughs> uh, and, you know, was, was brilliant against England. He was brilliant in this series again as well. Without wishing to fall into the trap of bringing absolutely everything back to England, let me just bring this back to England for a moment. Pakistan losing in Sri Lanka. Does that say anything about uh, anything new about England's two series over the winter? Does it suggest that they did pretty well to get a result in Sri Lanka does it add to the confusion as to exactly what went wrong in the UAE that they managed to lose 3-0 yeah two good points really or is it all just you know swings and roundabouts in international cricket yeah it's not I don't think it's maybe as straightforward as you make it out to kind of to read into it uh, clearly in any one of those directions England were outclassed by Pakistan but I think we agree that was definitely an anomaly not that Pakistan didn't deserve to win but it's not it's not a result you would have expected to happen kind of 100 times out of 100 if they'd played a hundred series, which we, I think we would have got quite bored of <laughs> by the end. But yeah, England's, England's result in Sri Lanka wasn't awful, maybe in, on reflection. Yeah, and it maybe just changes the perspective a little bit about how England went in Sri Lanka, because I think some people were a bit disappointed that they only managed to draw. But I like the thought, maybe you've just, you know, you, you've seen the result, the Sri Lanka-Pakistan result, and you just, you go to your shelf and dust off some old copies of Cricketer, maybe from, from past England tours, and just look at them again in a new light. <laughs> just see. Dust off? This is from about three months ago. How much <laughs> dust do you think is in my room? I'm not doing any drilling. 
the side notes now, on which we well, discuss. Just before we get to the sorry, just before we start the side notes. Well, I, I, I felt like this didn't really sit in the side notes. It wouldn't have kind of it wouldn't have felt right. You went ahead and just did the side note intro before I had a chance to bring it up. So I'm going to interrupt you, uh, Peterson. Kevin. 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 Do we need to talk about Kevin, Tone? That's good. Yeah, it's we don't need to. It's the title of a novel, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, we don't need to, but we could, if you'd like. Uh, no, just him basically already changing his mind about the decision he made about two weeks ago to to not play any uh, limited overs cricket for England. Yeah, he's basically... He's already, he's already he's, said he's basically he's coming back, isn't he? He wants to unretire. I think his point is that he has decided that he really wants to play the 2020 World Cup, uh, which is fair enough. Doesn't look like he's going to be allowed to. might have thought about that before retiring. I mean, from my, from my point of view, the ECB should just treat him as a, you know, a special case and just let him do what he wants, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. Not but quite do what he wants, but just you know, give I, him some... The, the thing for me is, I think, I mean, Andy Flower has, has basically said that he, you know, he, he's not sure that Peterson's going to be allowed back. And you could understand if the ECB now are a bit reluctant to let Peterson kind of diva his way back into the team. But the point is that it all happened so abruptly, this this retirement a few weeks ago, and you got the sense then that something wasn't right about it and that an accommodation could be reached. And if an accommodation can still be reached, then water under the bridge, get on with it. But you can't have Peterson just sort of retiring before every series that he doesn't want to play and then unretiring ahead of a series that he does want to play. Yeah, well, it's worked I, for, I'd, I'd for a Freedy for a number of years. It has worked for a Freedy, yeah. A Freedy's been giving Peterson some advice. Yeah, don't go to a Freedy for retirement advice. That'd be my advice. <laughs> so, yeah, so if I can remember what I was going to say, uh, it's time for the side notes now on which we discuss some of the more offbeat stories of the Cricketing Week. Uh, just a couple of quick ones for you, Tone. This article comes from uh, the Daily Telegraph. Mervyn King, LIBOR rigging was like spot fixing in cricket. Governor of the Bank of England, Sir Mervyn King, tells the Treasury Select Committee why he was unaware of wrongdoing in relation to LIBOR rates until two weeks ago. That subheading hasn't got anything to do with cricket. But Has give... Mervyn King ever appeared on the World Cricket Show before? <laughs> I don't think he has. I don't think he has. Got a relief. Giving evidence to the Treasury Select Committee... Sir Mervyn King said that the manipulation of LIBOR had, quote, similarities with betting in cricket because nobody saw it. It wasn't a whole game being fixed, but three or four nobles. Sir Mervyn also said that he only found out about fraud in this connection two weeks ago. He added that he did not know if other markets had been manipulated. And then the rest of the article is just about the economy. Um, but yeah, comparing it to cricket. So, you know, cricket gets a mention. Just oh. like, you know that really dodgy thing that uh, you know some of the guys at Barclays were doing, uh, you know, where they were like manipulating kind of really important financial things for their own gain. Yeah, it's like that really dodgy sport cricket <laughs> where they're all uh, they're all kind of up to no good. It's like don't drag cricket into this, Mervyn. Drag cricket Leave it through alone. the mud. Yeah, leave it alone. Let us do that with the poor quality of our podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised cricket hasn't been blamed for the whole G4S thing. <laughs> I'm gonna get G for us in at some point. <laughs> that's kind of that's the that's the. I knew it was gonna happen. That's the topical gag of the day. I knew it was gonna happen. Uh, Libor tone. Have you heard about this? Libor. You know, it sounds like a dinosaur. There's some issue about it. I think Neil Diamond was involved, <laughs> or uh, it might have been Dustin Diamond. Screech from Saved by the Bell. One of them. One of them was involved. <laughs> one I didn't. Really, the diamonds. Wasn't really paying much attention to the news. And one other article for you comes from <gasps> Crick Info. Uh, Dean Jones Whisper turns it. golf pro. Hooking the ball over the boundary was never a problem for oh, Dean God. Jones during his cricket career. I'm getting so fed up of these. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's like cricketer turns the new profession, <laughs> new sport. Uh, well, if you're getting fed up of it, I'm trying to think what someone... Uh, in a light-hearted a... way. This makes you laugh. <laughs> the way they're written. 
<laughs> Dean Jones hit his family for six when he told them he was thinking about, about becoming a golf pro. They were bowled over by the news. <laughs> Dean Jones left all the people in his life stumped when he uh, decided to become a golf pro. Hooking the ball over the boundary was never a problem for Dean Jones during his cricket <laughs> career, but he'll be hoping he never does it in his new profession. Jones, 51, has announced his, has announced his decision to become a professional golfer and join the Seniors Tour, starting with a tournament on the Gold Coast Who on July Jones, the 23rd. Dean Jones used to play cricket for Australia, and then he was a commentator, and then he said something racist on air and doesn't commentate anymore. That was it. Uh, and now he's, uh, he's turning to golf. Um, because, of course, in his cricket career, hooking the ball over the boundary was never a problem for him. But he wouldn't want to repeat. He wouldn't want to do that now in his no, new profession. Not in his new profession. Not in his new profession, no. If you have a dream and you want to do something, have a dip. Don't be ten years later having a beer saying, I wish I had a go, Jones said. <laughs> Jones barked. <laughs> Jones over-enthusiastically quipped. My major problem was, am I good enough? But I played the Victorian Senior Open last year and I finished third. The way you say it, it's like, <laughs> in my mind, he is talking to me like in a really noisy bar, like just shouting in my <laughs> ear. Like, you don't want to be standing here in, a, in this bar in 10 years. It gave me the belief that I can cut the mustard, that I can compete with these guys. James will juggle his new career with his existing cricket duties with the Bangladesh Premier League. He is not the only Australian cricketer to take his golf more than a little seriously. Earlier this year, Greg Blewett represented South Australia in the Australian Interstate Teams Amateur Championship, as we all remember. <laughs> Very famously. You got any golf gags, then? Uh, do you remember, do you know that Tiger Woods? God, he was a rascal, wasn't he? Only just. He's going to win the Open, then. Um, he's your prediction. Tiger prediction? Woods. Tiger Woods. He's the only golfer that I really know the name of. <laughs> oh, what's his name? McElroy. Yeah. Rory. It'll be one of those two, probably. One of those two. Nick Fade, maybe. <laughs> yeah. He's always going to have a say, isn't he? Is Jack Nicholas still playing? <laughs> and so, my friends, we come to the end of another thrilling edition of the World Cricket Show. You had a good time, Tone? Yeah, I've had as good a time as, as could be expected in the circumstances. You got any major plans for banter this week? Got anything oh, lined up for the weekend? Scary word. Uh, well, we, no, well, we're of course going to sheep racing, as we mentioned. We can say all, all, more, all that and more next week. Going to Sark. I'm surprised that they're having us back at the campsite, though, to be honest. I'm That's slightly last concerned. Year. About, we've also booked, yeah, we went last year, fairly large crowd of us uh, caused... Mayhem. Kind of, mayhem is the word, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we also have rebooked... Not rebooked. We've booked into the same restaurant we ate at last year. About 25, 30 of us booked for dinner. I'm really surprised they're having us back. <laughs> is it this? Have we booked it under the same, same name? Though? I don't know. Because if it is, I'm very surprised. But if not, we're going to turn up and they'll be like, right, out. <laughs> yeah, we'll out. get there and they'll be like, there's no booking. I'm going to book you. I'm, I'm really surprised that the, the woman that runs the campsite was, was happy to have us back. Because uh, my, my main memory of last year is uh, two in the morning, everyone being ridiculously loud. And, and the woman that runs the campsite coming over, being like, if you don't pipe down right now, I'm going to call the old Bill. And at that moment, you stumbling out of the darkness going, we've got beers, we've got beers, we are f***ing dynamite. <laughs> that was an ironic chant. <laughs> not really. It was very not ironic. Really. It's it not very... ironic when it's all the time. It was, hey. ir- it was ironic. It was very <laughs> ironic. I was, I was satirising a chant that we'd had, we'd had at some point. Note perfect parody. Uh, it really was. Yeah, there's a few of us going over. There's only one prison cell in Sark, so they can't look us all up. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. So we're going to have all sorts to talk about on next week's show. We won't have watched, we'll have watched one and a half days of the test. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to take my radio. 
Yeah, good shout. So, uh, um, well, but you ready? You just take your iPhone. Yeah, I know. But there. how much battery do I need? Or take though? a charger. To plug it in where? To plug it in somewhere. <laughs> okay, yeah, fair enough. Well, <laughs> <laughs> right. no, I'm planning on taking a charger. I think you could surely you'd be able to plug it in somewhere. You just take it no, to the tone, pub. Tone, I know it's the 21st century, but there are no plug sockets in tents. No, <laughs> thanks. Uh, I might no, just take it. my radio anyway. Yeah, take it. <laughs> back then, but then, people, you know, if I take the radio, then people can, uh, you know, lots of people can listen to it. How? Because it's, it's got a speaker. Because it's like a proper radio. Oh, awesome. This is great for people listening. This I is fantastic. Thrilling yeah. stuff. <laughs> um, right, so between now and next week, if you want to get in touch with us, you can log on to the net and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cricket show. People are going bonkers for it. Follow us on Twitter as well, at cricket show. I will be tweeting throughout the test series. Tony probably won't be because uh, he's not start. really tweeting about anything. Is, but if you do want to follow him, it's at Tony Cavert, T-O-N-Y-C-V. I'm going to start tweeting during this series. That's a guarantee. <laughs> well, that's a hell of a guarantee. <laughs> not worth the paper it's printed on, but okay. Uh, send us an email, worldcricketshow at gmail.com. Do that if you want some free stickers uh, and leave us a review on iTunes if you've got the time and the inclination. We do really appreciate those. And buy a World Cricket Show t-shirt. Go to our website, cricketshow.net uh, and order yours today. But that's about it. I think stay in school, kids. I always say that. I feel that's like our public service obligation. Just stay in school, kids. Come on. Lay off the smack, lads. Do your homework. Um, we'll see you next time. Oh, dear. Bye for now. Bye. It happens to us all. It happens to us all. Each day, each year, a year, a year. Not to smell your fear. Stop you next time. The RSPB are going to be onto us now, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> I've kicked an owl before. <laughs> we talk about this every week. Yeah. <laughs> so we we, yeah, I think the RSPB are already monitoring the situation closely. Around the world now, on which we discuss some. No, that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Um, I might not put that in. I'm going to get need to get some more. Jesus Christ. All right, go on with it. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Who watches seniors golf when he's watched normal golf? There's nothing going on. Sorry, I've, I've stopped listening to you. What time does Waitrose close tonight? Nine. Uh, I can think of a gag there. <laughs> <laughs> it's just lightning back and forth, isn't it? All the time. Yeah, it's, it's great that you can cut that dead air out. <laughs> 